stand with me for the reading of God's word from John 3, 1 through 15. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is God's word. The men who stood before you this morning have answered the most important question of life itself. Do I have eternal life? And their answer is a resounding yes. Eternal life has two words to it. One is eternity. That the life you are offered lasts forever. Many of us strive to make the most out of life here and now. And yet compare 70, 80, 90 years to eternity. It's absolutely nothing. One theologian gave this picture. Imagine a rock as big as the sun. In every thousand years, a bird flies up to that rock and hits that rock with its beak. Not one second would have elapsed in eternity by the time that rock no longer exists and has been worn away. Eternity should matter to us. But there's another word, eternal life. And from the scripture's perspective, we are born without life. That's why Jesus says, I came to give you life. And we're scratching our head, what do you mean you came to give us life? Am I not alive? And Jesus says, no, you are not alive. I came to give you life. And what you have seen and heard in the testimonies this morning is men who were transformed from death to life. And you hear it in their voices. They are grabbing a hold of what life is meant to be. There are a lot of opinions in regards to how one gets eternal life. There are those who say there is no such thing as heaven. There's no such thing as eternity. There are those who say everyone has eternal life. Everyone gets in. Those who say, no, no, it's the good people 
the people who live good, moral lives and care for others, they're the ones that are in. Then there are those who say, no, 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 you have to believe in God. But as long as you believe in God, it it doesn't matter what religion you hold to. But if you are religious, everyone worships the same God. So if you're religious, you're in. And then there are those who say, no, 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 you have to have the right religion. If you have the right religion, you are in. So whose opinion should we accept? I want this morning to consider the opinion of the only one who history has demonstrated possessed eternal life. And that's the only one who ever came back from the grave with eternal life, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Lord, we just ask that your spirit take your word as his sword to bring us to truth this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. So, what is Jesus' opinion? And as we turn to John 3, we see Jesus would say, none of the above. None of the above. Those who say there is no such thing as eternal life, Jesus talks about eternal life. Not only does he say there is eternal life, he tells us how we can experience it. So we take that one off the board. How about the other opinions? Well, as we look at Nicodemus, what we see is Nicodemus fulfills the requirements of every other view espoused. And yet Jesus is going to say to him, Nicodemus, you are not in. You must be born again. So consider this description of Nicodemus that's given in John. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So consider this description. You have a man. His name's Nicodemus. He is a ruler of the Jews, so he's Jewish, and yet he's a ruler of the Jews which is a member of the Sanhedrin, it's kind of like a, the Congress and Supreme Court being put together. So this man is hyper-religious. He is following his religion, which is his sect is he's a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees held to the highest possible moral code. And so you see in this man an incredible moral person highly religious, a leader, highly respected, and he comes to Jesus in humility and in sincerity, and he says, Jesus, we know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. So he's even moving toward Jesus. So look at this man. Okay, some say everyone's in. Well, it says he's a man. So he's part of everyone. That view would say this guy's in. 
He's a Pharisee. Okay? Very moral. So those who say the moral people are in, he's in. He is a Jew. So he's religious. Someone who says everyone, every religion is in, he's in. And he has the right religion. Because the right religion of the day was Judaism. They were the chosen people. Add on top of that, that he was sincere. Even though he was esteemed by everyone, a member of the Supreme Court, he's out there at night searching out Jesus, despite the fact that most of those around him could possibly disown that him if they knew what he was doing. He's sincerely searching. And look at his view of Jesus. Jesus, I know you come from God. Nicodemus fulfills every possible requirement, we might say, every opinion of how you get to heaven, how you get eternal life. And Jesus says to him, you are not in, you must be born again. Now, why does Nicodemus say this? Why does Jesus say this to Nicodemus? Because Jesus looks at the heart. The last verse of chapter 2 says this. Many people believed in Jesus, but Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. Because no one needed to tell Jesus what was in man. And the next words are, now there was a man. And John is trying to show us that Jesus looks not as man does, For man looks at the outside, and if ever you looked at the outside of Nicodemus, if ever there was a man who was in, it's Nicodemus. But Jesus looked at the heart, and he saw what was in every human heart. A selfishness, a self-centeredness. He saw not a desire to, to glorify God independent of himself. He saw that... Nicodemus' righteousness was as filthy rags. He looked at Nicodemus and others said he doesn't murder anyone and Jesus looked at his heart and he saw there was anger at times in his heart that Nicodemus murdered in his heart. Others looked at him and said he doesn't commit adultery but Jesus could look at his heart and see lust in his heart and say he's committed adultery in his heart. He saw the bitterness. He saw the, uh, the jealousy. He saw Nicodemus set himself on the throne of his life. And he said, Nicodemus, you are not in. You must be born again. If you're a moral person, you must be born again. If you're a religious person, you must be born again. If you espouse the theology of Christianity, you must be born again. You see, the Christian life is not about moralism. It's not about obeying the Ten Commandments. It's not about how sincere you are, whether you belong to a church. It's not about coming and worshiping God. It's not about obeying God and glorifying God. That is not the essence of the Christian life. The essence of the Christian life is you are dead 
apart from Christ, and you need to be born again. And then Jesus goes on to describe. He says, you must be born of the Spirit. You see, there's two births. There is the birth of the flesh, and there is the birth of the Spirit. Now, that's a work of the Spirit, and naturally we begin to wonder, what do you mean you have to be born again? What do you mean a second birth? What do you mean being born by the Spirit? What are you talking about? And Jesus says, it's a mystery. He gives an illustration, and he says, you can look outside in the wind be blowing, but you never see the wind but you hear the sound of it. So it is with the Spirit. Spiritual birth is a work that the Spirit of God does in hearts and lives. We don't see the Spirit coming upon us. We don't necessarily feel the Spirit coming upon us. But you hear the wind. You hear the Spirit in the results that the Spirit produces in lives. I began this sermon saying, the men that stood before us today have eternal life. I can't look at their hearts, but I have heard their testimonies. We are witnessing the transformation in their lives. That's what Jesus is talking about. We don't see the Spirit working, but we see the results of it. And so we then ask the question. Actually, Nicodemus asked the question. He's not done. He says, how can these things be? Um, basically, he's asking, how do you get it? How, how does this happen? What do I have to do on my side? Okay, the Spirit does the new birth, but what is God asking of me to bring the Spirit in a way that gives me this new birth? And if you notice, Jesus' answer is he doesn't answer him right away. Instead, he says, Nicodemus, you should know the answer. You shouldn't be surprised that I'm talking about a new birth because it's in the Old Testament. There's a number of places, in particular Ezekiel chapter 36, where it says, I will sprinkle you clean with pure water. I will place my, give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit inside of you. Nicodemus, you should know what I'm talking about. And so I'm wondering if you're going to get it when I say this to you, because I'm speaking to you of heavenly things, and you're not even getting the earthly things. He says, I can speak to you of heavenly things because I've been there. That's where I've come from. So, Jesus then gives the answer to Nicodemus' question. What do I have to do on my part? And Jesus says two things. One, he gives an illustration. Then he gives a direct teaching. And the illustration is this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
So Jesus goes back to an Old Testament story where the people had been rebelling against God. And so God comes upon them in judgment. And poisonous snakes come and bite the people. And when they are bitten, they die. And so now the people start to repent and they say, they come to Moses and say, Moses, Moses, do something, save us. Moses goes to God and God says, all right. What I want you to do is make a bronze serpent and place him high up on a pole. Lift him up so that whoever is bitten and dying, they come to that serpent and they look to that serpent and they'll be healed and saved. Now, Jesus gives a parallel, and he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Do you see the parallel between those bitten in the wilderness and you and me? Each of us has rebelled against God. Each of us are dead because of our sin. I hope this morning when you heard these men, and they said, and I heard it, I was dead. And they talked about the horror of their past life. I hope that you said amen in your own heart, that you understand that your sin has made you dead before God. Because belief, those people who were bitten in the wilderness, they looked, and what did they believe when they were looking at that serpent? They believed that if I... Look to this to be saved, I will be saved. We are dead in our sin. Nicodemus was dead in his sin. And it says we must look at the one lifted up and believe. They looked and believed. Looking at the serpent saves me. Belief in Jesus Christ means looking to the cross of Christ as the one and only thing that can save you. Because on the cross, Christ took our sins. But we're still dead in those sins unless we turn to Him as Savior and accept God's gift of eternal life by saying, Father, I have sinned, I'm dead, I know I deserve the judgment of God, but your love is so great that you sent Jesus to take my sin so that when you look at me, you no longer see my sin, but you actually see the righteousness of Christ. There are many opinions about how someone gets eternal life. If you do not know Jesus Christ this morning, 
If you have been trusting like Nicodemus was, I'm a good person, I'm moral, I'm religious, I'm even in the, the Christian church, and your opinion is one of those things gets you in, then I would say, it's your opinion. Come to the opinion of the one who was raised from the dead, the one who said in this passage, I was with God. I know what's happening up there. We have not. I say, accept Jesus' opinion. Turn to him as your Savior. If you're a Christian and your opinion is, I get to God through Jesus Christ, my Savior. You've got the right opinion. But there are many opinions around you that keep coming at you that may get you to start becoming shaky about that opinion. Because the world looks at you today when you say Christ is the only way and they say you are narrow-minded, you are judgmental, you are bigoted, you are mean-spirited. Because you hold that opinion. There are many intellectuals, very intelligent people who believe you are foolish for holding that opinion. There are the crowds and the masses that believe other than you do. Do not waver from your opinion because it is not your opinion it is the opinion of the one who died for you. In fact, this opinion is so firmly held by Jesus that he came and died for you and proved the truth of eternal life by raising from the dead. Don't waver from the opinion of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are so clear in Scripture. We do hear a cacophony of other voices. Father, may we hear your voice and your voice alone. Of the one who died for us and rose again. And it's in his name we can stand before you today and even pray. Amen.